Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with me today, and we're going to have a great time as we continue journeying through the Gospel of John with Jesus, getting God's Word into our life, getting it out of our lives, into the world around us. And here we are in John 20. I mean, we are moving through this with Jesus, and we're seeing today something so powerful as we deal with our doubts. Doubt is such a huge uh, problem for us in our world because, uh, let's face it, we're all skeptical, we're all cynical today, and um, and in fact, there was an article this year from iNews that said, uh, this is an article that uh, was written by Eleanor Margolis, and she said, those of us with traditional religion are left to make peace with our uncertainty. There's nothing comforting about being agnostic. Okay, so an agnostic is someone who is a little more honest than an atheist who says an atheist would say there's no such thing as God, and I know for certain there's no God. And uh, that is not a real honest um viewpoint or, or, or mindset because there's no way that you could know that there's no God. But an agnostic would say, well, maybe. I, you can't really know for sure. And so I'm going to live as if God doesn't exist. So here's what Eleanor writes. She says, it was in February and Russian tanks were rolling into Ukraine. And I started to wonder if it was time to find God. Definite God, that is. Not the half-hearted agnostic one built on a Jenga tower of uncertainty. The addition of a heightened nuclear threat from Putin, which, by the way, you know, we're seeing that this week. Like, there's there's these talks of, of all of this and, and North Korea and all of these things. But um, she says, uh, the, the threat from Putin made me desperate for a vengeful Old Testament God, someone to smite the warmongers and the oligarchs, the evil ones, know not what they do when nothing is left of civilization but the cockroaches. The last time, she says, I felt so envious of religious people was when my mom was dying of cancer. Certainty about an afterlife sure would have come in handy then. And prayer might have created the illusion that I had some power over the situation. And... uh so, yeah, over the, instead, I was treated to the spiritual equivalent of the shrug emoji. I became a devout follower of one true religion of the 21st century, and that is uncertainty. Those of us without traditional religion are left to make peace with our uncertainty. And so that's the way most people in our world are living today. They are uncertain. They are unsure 
They're full of doubt, uh, but hopeful. And they, they, they want perhaps to, to know that there is a God and that God exists and he knows them and he cares them and that they were made by a loving God, but they just can't bring themselves to have faith. And that's what we see here in John chapter 20 when it comes to the uh, disciple of Jesus named Thomas. And so it seems like the three most discouraging words we can hear sometimes are just have faith. You're facing uh, a difficult medical situation and they somebody says to you, well, you just got to have faith or, or uh, maybe it's uh, the loss of a loved one. Uh, or a financial loss of a job, whatever it is, just have faith. And uh, that's like, you know, if you break your arm, someone coming to you and saying, well, just don't hurt. And the question that comes into your mind is, how? How do I do it? Um, how, do I, how do I have faith? And, um, you know, Thomas, Thomas has a nickname, right? His nickname is Doubting Thomas. How would you like to be known as doubting fill in the blank, right? You, that, that you're known as a doubter, but so many of us are. But what we see with Thomas is he started with doubt, but he moved to faith. He started at doubt, and there was a definite progression we see in this passage, in this powerful passage, because he moves from doubt to faith. And this really tells us how can we move toward faith, even when we have doubt. And honest doubts, when you're honest about them, they can grow into true faith. So how do you have faith? It's a really a three-step process and progress that you see here. And that is first, remove your doubt. The second step is to redirect your will. And the third step is to renew your confession. And what happens when you confess and confess that Jesus is Lord, uh, that leads to God's blessing in your life. That leads to salvation. It leads to every good thing. So this is a story of conviction, but it's a story of confession. Um, and so first we see in John 20, beginning in verse 24, we see that Thomas, he was frustrated and he reacted with this attitude that was full of doubt. So look, look at verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, whose name was also Didymus, the, um, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord! Exclamation point. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Now notice, Thomas wasn't there. We looked last week when Jesus appeared to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. And uh, so Thomas is saying, well, I didn't see it personally. So if I didn't see it, I don't know that I can take your word for it. I don't know that I can believe it. Um, and he he refused to believe that Jesus was alive, that Jesus rose from the dead. But today, so many people refuse to believe that Jesus is Lord, that he is God, that he is alive. And there's so many people today with that same attitude. Now, notice the disciples quickly, they told him, 
we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. And the way this uh, this told, the told him, it wasn't just all together in unison. It wasn't just one time. They kept on telling him. They kept on telling him, we have seen him. No, we've seen him. <laughs> but Thomas was stubborn and he refused to believe. And he even argued with them. He he was uh, he was obstinate in his in his argument. He was frustrated with them for believing this thing that he thought wasn't true, was impossible, and he had these conditions. He said, "Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I put my finger where the nails were, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe." It's like three conditions that he had to believe. Now, I want to start by saying that it's normal to doubt, and God is big enough for your doubts. If you have doubts, um, then be honest about it and get the answers. Look for the answers. The answers are there. Um, God is big enough. God is not threatened by your doubts, but you don't want to get stuck in your doubts. That's no way to live. That's no way to live. Um, and what was it that frustrated Thomas so much that he refused to believe? Well, think about this. He knew Jesus had died on the cross. And imagine his, uh, his depression, his despair, his hopelessness. His Lord was dead. The one that he followed was dead. The one that he thought uh, was going to uh, lead him, he, and, and he was gone. And he he thought, well, death is final, right? And his requirements were, here's my specific beliefs, and we have specific beliefs or specific requirements today. So many people say, well, I would believe, but look at all those Christians. I need Christians to be perfect and to to never fall and to to always do exactly what they say, or I'm not going to personally believe or my requirement for believing in God is that everything has to always go my way or you know that 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 so they put out some some marker they say God if you're real do this do that and, and we do this very same thing to God we have requirements for belief um, he got what he expected he expected uh, Jesus to not be alive and that's what he was gonna hold on to because he was a pessimist. He was without any hope. And he was probably the one that told the disciples when uh, when Jesus died on the cross, he probably said, I told you this is going to happen. I knew this is going to happen. And we live in such a skeptical age because we are taught that unless we can prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt and um, You know, we are taught the scientific method, which says you repeat experiments over and over, and that that's the only way we can know if something is true. Then, uh, or else we we won't believe it. But the fact is, we believe a lot of things, and there are a lot of things you cannot prove in a laboratory. You cannot prove love in a laboratory. Uh, That's that's not something that that can be uh, studied under a microscope. Um, So, so what is faith? Faith is not checking your brains at the door, okay? It is, instead, it is informed trust. It is a 
step of faith into the light that has been revealed. And just understand that just because you have these requirements and and that that God does not is not required to meet your requirements. God doesn't jump through all of your hoops. What was the issue with Thomas? Well, he had disconnected from the disciples. Notice he wasn't there. Some, God was doing something. Jesus showed up. They were together. And Thomas couldn't believe it because he missed out. He was out of fellowship for some reason. We don't know why. Maybe he was going to um, get the disciples some donuts or something. We don't know why he wasn't there at the time. But Jesus showed up and Thomas missed out. And I've just got to say, we gather together as believers at church every single week, at least weekly on Sunday. God always, he never fails to do something amazing. And so people will show up and they'll go, wow, this was so awesome. This was for me. But how many times are they not there? And if you're not there, you're going to miss out on what God wanted to do that day in your life. So don't miss it. Don't miss out. Make it a priority. It was actually a whole week later, uh, Jesus ended up appearing to Thomas. Think, think of what he missed out on those for those seven days of not knowing, of, of a week of hopelessness instead of a week of joy in his life. And our faith grows and 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 explodes like it blossoms around other faith-filled people. That ignites our faith and it helps us to believe. But when we are doubting, what's what do we do instead of pushing into God's people and God's church? When we start to doubt, many times we run away and we hide. And so Thomas, he needed his faith restored. And because he wasn't there and they were fired up, how did he respond to his friends? He was critical. He was critical of the the ones who did believe it. And he was looking at them and like, what is wrong with them? There's something wrong with them, not me. And he was arguing against what they had seen, what they knew to be true, their experience with the risen Jesus. And if we hold on to our doubts and we're not willing to confront them and deal with them, then God's blessings in our life are going to be delayed. Um, when we're when we're feeling left out, when we're feeling guilty and frustrated, what happens in our hearts and our attitudes? We start to get a prideful attitude. We start reacting wrongly to the people around us. We deny the truth, and we can even act out in angry ways. And and Thomas's attitude was, "I am not going to believe." He he liked the idea of faith but he refused to believe. This tells us faith is really at its core, it's a decision of your will. Um, So your heart is involved, your emotions are involved, your mind is involved. Uh, It's not whether you feel it or not, it's not whether you you know it or not, it's whether you're gonna choose to believe it or not. And you gotta get your head and your heart involved, but ultimately, you choose. You decide to believe. Thomas had always thought of Jesus um, in in natural uh, human terms. He he thought Jesus was going to make things better here on this earth and in this life by setting up an earthly kingdom 
and uh, that Jesus would be the leader of that earthly kingdom. And so he saw Jesus as the promised Messiah who was the son of David and would come from David's roots. But he refused to see that what Jesus was doing was even greater than that. Yes, it was going to make a difference here on this earth, but it was bigger than that. It was uh, it was spiritual. And it was an eternal kingdom that lasts forever. But he could only see Jesus as a man who was nailed to the cross and had a spear thrust in his side. And now he had died. And today there are many distorted ideas of who Jesus is. And when you have a wrong understanding of who he is, it's going to lead you to doubt, to doubt who he really is and what he really wants to do and what he really can do in your life. You see, Jesus was more than just a great teacher. Jesus is more than a great spiritual prophet. He was more than just a great man or the founder of some religion. In fact, he is greater than the greatest person who has ever lived because Jesus is more than a man. He is God in a bod. He is God in the flesh. And I think people today, they want to just reduce Jesus to just a mere human person because what that does is that just makes him another another influencer, another leader, another opinion. It makes him less than Lord of all. And that means, well, people aren't really totally uh, wicked and totally separated, and Jesus didn't really need to die for us. Um, we perhaps can even do what Jesus did and do the best we can, and maybe God will accept us, and we don't have to follow Jesus in every single detail because his he's not our full authority. And that leads people, what people do is they begin to craft Jesus into their own image. And um, the, the fact is we don't get to do that. We believe in the real Jesus as revealed in the Bible, not in who we think he is or want him to be. It's not enough just to believe in your own idea of who Jesus is. You want to know, get to know the real Jesus who is alive today and who, uh, who, who is revealed in his word in the gospels and in the Bible that we've been studying, right? So, so the, the second thing we see here as we move on in verse 26 is that Thomas gets a second chance to believe. Aren't you glad that God is a God of second chances, that he doesn't just write us off uh, when we blow it? And Thomas gets uh, a graceful second chance. So in verse 26, it says, uh, a week later, seven days later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time. Though the doors were locked, remember the doors were locked last time Jesus showed up, uh, so, you know, somehow he's walking through the walls and Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out and with your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So Jesus puts them at ease. He says, peace be with you. And then immediately he deals with the issue at hand, and that is doubting Thomas. 
And Thomas, he had said three conditions, right? Put the finger in uh, in his in his nail scarred hands, see his hands, uh, put his hand in his side, and uh, he knew all that. That's the exact thing that Jesus said to him. He said, "Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it in my side, stop doubting, and believe." And it's incredible to know. It's good to know. Jesus knows what's going on in our hearts. Uh, he knows your discouragement. He knows your doubts. He knows your your uh, sadness, your fears, your hope, and your love. He knows exactly where to speak to each person's heart. But notice this time, Thomas was in in the place where he needed to be. He he had been cut off from the other believers, but now he's with the other believers, listening to their encouragement. And he still wasn't totally sure, but he was he was there. And what I like to say is people are belongers before they are believers. We want to bring people in, make them feel welcome, so that they're in a position where Jesus can speak to their hearts. And uh, Jesus is warning Thomas and challenging him to stop doubting and believing because Thomas at this point was in a very dangerous position of doubt. The disciples had been telling him for a week that Jesus was alive, but he kept refusing to believe. And so Jesus says, stop doubting. Stop doubting. Stop becoming an unbeliever. He says, you're running the risk of becoming faithless and and even past the point of believing. You've carried this doubt too far and now you need to stop doubting. These your friends, these believers, they've been telling you the truth. So stop doubting because you are in danger and he says stop doubting, he says and believe. You know, if you are without faith, then you're without hope. And um Ephesians 2:12 says this. It says remember that at that time, before you were a believer, you were separate from Christ, without hope and without God in the world. And if you'll just stop and think about that, think about the people you know who are without Jesus and how hopeless they are about the future and about the world. Uh, Imagine facing uh, death or the death of a loved one and not knowing um, that, that they are that there's a place that's been prepared for them if they will only trust in Christ. And you are either in your life right now, you're either moving toward faith or you're moving toward your doubt. And you have a choice to make. Which are you moving toward? Are you moving toward faith? Are you moving toward your doubt? And what decision do you need to make today to choose to trust, to have faith, in Jesus. It starts by admitting your doubts. And then we see here this, this powerful confession um, of Thomas. And uh, when Jesus said, stop doubting and believe, in verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. What a powerful confession that he made. Um, listen, You've got to choose it. You've got to choose 
to believe. That's what Thomas did. Don't wait for your mind or your emotions to carry you into a deeper commitment to Jesus. Jesus said, stop waiting and decide. Now, this confession of Thomas, it was one of the most powerful confessions in the Bible. I can picture Thomas probably fell to his knees before Jesus and he cried out, my Lord and my God. He knew now that Jesus had risen again, that he was alive. Everything Jesus said was true. He knew that Jesus is Lord, that he is God in the flesh. He's the ultimate ruler of the universe and of everything that there is. He knew that Jesus came to show the world who Jesus is and that he's the only way that we have to connect with our creator, with God. And he knew that Jesus has no room. He doesn't want our half-hearted commitments. He doesn't want our half-hearted devotion. When he says, my Lord and my God, he, he's, he's owning that for himself. He says, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are the leader. You're the savior. You're, you're the God of my life. And we all have to bow the knee and personally submit our lives to Jesus and worship him as our Lord and as our God. I'm thinking of Philippians 2, 9 that tells us therefore about Jesus. Therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the deal. You can bow now or you can bow later. You will either bow by choice or one day you will bow because there will be no other option. You'll realize the truth, but at that point, it will be too late. So you choose today to bow the knee and to confess that Jesus is Lord. He wants us to make our confession public. In Matthew 10, 32, he says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Don't keep it a secret. Don't keep it to yourself. Let the world know. And our final lesson, and this is a lesson for the church today, is in verse 29, because Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So we don't have that privilege, that awesome privilege that Thomas had to see Jesus, uh, you know, physically to see him. But when we believe, even without the, the evidence, the proof, we believe because of his love for us. Ephesians 2, 4 says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sin. And that's because of his love. We believe in him because he loves us so much. We believe in him because we need to believe. Because Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have that great need to believe. We have that great need to be forgiven. Also, we believe because through believing, it changes our lives. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And he gives us this fruit that begins to produce a change in our lives. And that's one incredible evidence for the truth that Jesus is alive. Look around and you see the impact that Jesus' life 
has made on so many other lives. But we also believe because there are some godly witnesses, some godly believers who've gone before us. Many people who are smarter than than I am, uh, who are more faithful than I am, and they've told us the truth about who Jesus is. Is And we believe because we've been told, Colossians 1.23 says, This is the gospel you've heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So we've heard the good news and we believe, but we also then are to go and be witnesses. We're go and tell others so that they can believe. And then we believe, check this out, because of the witness of our heart. The Bible says in Romans 2.15 that... The law of God is written on our hearts and our consciences are bearing witness. So that's why there's there's no one who truly uh, cannot believe because, uh, because God has let you know there's a sense in our hearts. And when you hear the good news, it just rings true because of the way God has created us and wired us to know him. Um, that go, that verse goes on to say, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. So, you know, our thoughts, um, they will they will let us know that we need a Savior. Um, but then um, we believe because of uh, creation, because of the witness of nature. Like there's a lot of reasons to believe. Romans 1.20 says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen so that we were without excuse, that we're without excuse because we can see that God has created everything there is in the beauty in our world. And there's so many reasons to believe, even though you can't see Jesus' physical body, you have so many reasons to believe. And so Thomas stopped being stubborn and rebellious when he saw Jesus, when Jesus challenged him. Um, and, and so Thomas, you know, he had no faith and his lack of faith led him to be disconnected from God. But the ones who were speaking to him the truth, they were telling him the truth. They saw Jesus together. They had experienced Jesus and they knew it happened and it was real. But Thomas simply had refused to believe because he thought, I'm smarter than these guys. He didn't realize he was in danger of losing his soul. And when you believe today, even though you can't see Jesus physically, this shows something about you. It shows that you have a tender heart. It shows that you have a sensitivity to the Spirit of God as God's Spirit draws you. And you have an awareness as you see that God has created everything. And uh, as a result of believing, Jesus says that person will be blessed with a special sense of joy in your life that the world didn't give. The world can't take it away from you. In 1 Peter 1.8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you believe in him, you love him, even though you don't see him, you have this indescribable joy in your life. It's deeper than just happiness. It's deeper than just the circumstances around you. It's a sustaining 
joy, when you see all that Jesus has done for you, when the Holy Spirit reaches out to you and draws you to Jesus, leave your doubt at the door and believe and trust in Jesus. Stop doubting. As Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. And don't take it for granted. When God's Spirit draws you, don't take it for granted that you'll have another day or another chance to believe. Today is the day. Genesis 6.3 says, uh, the Lord said, my spirit will not condemn, contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. And so don't take for granted. If you feel God's spirit drawing you into deeper belief today or into belief, period, then trust in him today and begin orienting your life around Jesus, that he is your Lord, your God, your leader, your savior, and, um, and, and begin to follow him with all that you've got. That is what we learn here, that you can move from doubt to deeper faith today. And I hope that you will do that. I hope this has encouraged you today and that today you're saying, I'm choosing to move to faith and away from my doubts today because you can do that because of his love for you and because of all that he's done for you. Let's pray together as we close. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you uh, for showing us, God, the, the truth of your word, the way you appeared to Thomas and helped him defeat his doubts. God, help us today to uh, leave those doubts and discouragements behind, God, and to trust you in an even greater way. It is so sweet to trust in you and uh, give us faith to trust you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you really soon. Have a blessed rest of the week. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast. Connect.